Welcome back to the Legacy Through Motherhood podcast. This is Stephanie, your host. And on this podcast, we work on becoming just 1% better every single day. And I believe that the way we become our best selves is by just focusing on the small, seemingly insignificant, positive things that we can do daily, be it, you know, drinking our water, sending a loving or supporting text to our spouse, memorizing one verse in scripture, going into Target one time this week and only grabbing what we actually went in there for. So we are supporting our financial goals and budget or to say, you know, one affirmation every single morning. It is just the little things that are so easily looked over that can compound over time. And so in this community, we don't underestimate what these little things can help us accomplish. And we believe that leaving the legacy we want to leave ultimately starts with us becoming the best version of ourselves. Okay, you guys, so let's go ahead and jump into today's episode. I have another amazing conversation for you guys to be a part of. And this conversation is for all of you working moms. And what the heck do I even mean by working moms? I mean, those of you out there who have things that you want to do and things that you have to do. So you could be working outside the home, in the home, from home, or anything in between. And we're really, really clear about this. And we're kind of talk about how the whole stay-at-home mom, I feel like it should be work-at-home mom. And then if you are a work-from-home mom, that's a different thing. I feel like a stay-at-home mom has a bad rep. (laughs) Anyways, every single mom we are talking to in this episode. Okay, it all just looks different for us, like what work is to us. And so today, my guest and I take a really fresh look at what work-life balance is and what that even means. Like, is it even attainable? We talk about white water and storms. That's going to make sense later. (laughs) It's actually one of my favorite parts of the conversation, those two terms. Um, And so you're not going to want to miss this. And I really feel like this conversation clarified so much for me on how to approach different seasons in motherhood. And, you know, there are fast paced seasons and then there are slower paced seasons. There are seasons that we know going into are going to be hectic or sometimes we just get dumped on with something crazy, right? So there are so many good and practical tips in this episode. So I hope that you enjoy. So let me go ahead and introduce you to our guest today. She is an amazing, amazing leader and educator when it comes to work-life integration for women in general. And she is the host of the top-rated Brilliant Balance podcast. Her work has been featured in Thrive Global, The Huffington Post, Forbes, Women's Day, and Cincy Chic. She appears on TV news shows as an expert on work-life balance, productivity, and purpose. And you guys, She is also a member of the Female Founders Collective, one of Cincinnati's 100 Wise Women. She's local, if you guys listen to this and you're local. (laughs) She is also a 40 under 40 honoree. She is a wife and she has three babies herself. So basically, she is an all-around powerhouse, okay? So without further ado, please welcome our guest, Cheryl Ann. Okay, Cheryl Ann, thank you so much for coming on to the Legacy Through Motherhood podcast. I am delighted to be here. (laughs) Can you go ahead and just, for anyone who does not know who you are, can you just explain kind of who you are and what you do in your business? You bet. So um, I am, first of all, a mom of three. My kids are now 10, 13, and 16. Um, My husband and I have been married for 20 years, and we live in a suburb of Cincinnati, Ohio. 
And professionally, I think of myself as a, I call it a former corporate ladder climber turned entrepreneur. So I I spent the first 15 years of my professional life working for a big consumer products company. And then I left 11 years ago to start the entrepreneurial chapter of my life. Um, And today that involves running um, a company called Brilliant Balance. Um, We are really kind of like expert guides for working moms. Like the how do you piece together some semblance of work-life balance when you have really full life um, at home and often at work as well? I love that. And I I would love to just hop right in because you know, as we were kind of talking before we hit record, a lot of um, people who listen to this podcast, we are moms, we got a lot of babies. um, And we are just kind of either, you know, there's, there's obviously moms that are working full time in that corporate world. I know there are moms who are entrepreneurs. And even like, if you are home full time, I mean, it is a job. Oh, yeah, (laughs) to keep home, you know what I mean? So like, I know you're talking about that whole um, realm and that kind of that whole pendulum, I guess you can say. And so can, can well, you just know, can we talk about that for a second? Because yes, please do. I've been, I've been doing some podcast interviews lately and thinking about this concept of like, do we have the right term? You know, when, when I think the cultural vernacular would say work life balance, right? That, and, and I think if you are not working outside the home, you might think, well, that doesn't really apply to me. But I actually think what everyone is talking about when we say work-life balance is a balance between what I have to do and what I want to do. Mm, yes. And so think about that, Stephanie. For for women who work outside the home, a lot of what they, quote, have to do is happening at work, right? But so is laundry and dishes and carpool. And you know these are not things that we're necessarily like, oh, I can't wait to do that 57th load of laundry, right? That goes in the have-to-do bucket. And what we're really striving for is how do we structure a life where we still have some discretionary time, you know, to be ourselves, to do the things that are exciting and fulfilling to us. So, you know, maybe for today's conversation, we kind of sit in that bucket of or that definition. How do we how do we find some semblance of order between those two um, buckets of time? Okay, I love that you just distinguish that because I I remember when I transitioned to be a stay at home mom, I'm like, hold on a second. This is way <laughs> not necessarily harder, but it's just this different type of hard. And I'm like, I remember doing a step challenge with my Fitbit with my mom, who's a nurse, and my stepdad, who worked for Delta. And I won like my first day of being a stay at home mom because <laughs> I'm oh like, I'm going to 90 miles an hour. This is crazy, you know? And I'm like, I remember thinking, we should not call this stay at home mom. We should call this work at home mom. And then if you work from home, you should be a work from home mom. Anyways, oh, that's interesting language. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's just – it's a whole thing. Anyway, so you know, we're going to be talking a lot about exactly what you just said. So there's this difference in what we have to get done so that we're not in survival mode or reaction mode all the time because that is freaking stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the things that you know we do want to do, like we want to sit and play with our kids. Maybe not all the freaking time. I don't want to sit and play with my kids for an hour on the floor. <laughs> but like just things that can kind of fill our cups, make us feel confident as mothers and that kind of thing. So is there a thing, is there such a thing as balance necessarily? I've heard not, I mean, yes, but no, like I've heard it's more, the goal is more like harmony. Like, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like you kind of give and take and some areas get more, some areas get less. People call it harmony, balance, whatever. So can you kind of speak into that some? I, I can. And I think this really comes back to that definition. You know, our our struggle with the word balance, like our 
our frustration with that word or the fact that it kind of feels ill-fitting is because we have pictures in our heads that are static. So for example, if I say work-life balance, and anyone listening today, I want you to, what is the image that comes to your mind? For most people, you know, if you saw a scale or like a plank with two piles of rocks on either side, that is the number one image that comes to people's mind when we say work-life balance. And there's a level of precision implied in that image. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm going to arrange these, it's like Jenga, right? Like I have to arrange these rocks perfectly so that I don't topple the whole thing. Second most popular image, pie chart. You know, again, it's a static image. So we're picturing like exactly where do I draw the lines in these various aspects of my life? Neither one of those makes any sense in in terms of what our lives actually look and feel like. So here's a picture I would put in your head when we think about balance. I think about um, well, I specifically think about Misty Copeland dancing in the American ballet. And if you don't know Misty's work, just think about a, a contemporary ballerina. You know, the level of strength and grace and sort of core, right? The ability to move from pose to pose across that stage, that's more like about being on your toes, about being able to move through your life while staying in balance, right? Not setting a balance on a scale and then like tiptoeing backwards so that you don't screw it up. And I think that definition we could probably work with today because we're all doing that dance. You know, we're moving through these various moments in our day trying to land the pose. Oh my gosh. I love that. I love the, I just love that. I was like thinking of a ballerina right because when you're flying through the air, you're really not balancing. It's when you're kind of landing on, you know, maybe those different pillars, so to speak, in your life. That's when you're trying, you know, that's when you're focusing on this specific move. Yes. Work. This is when, you know, then you'd leap through the air and you're focusing on this specific move, which might be home life or your marriage or whatever it might be. Yeah. And so I love that. Um, I love that visual. And so, you know, I feel like the hardest thing for me specifically mm-hmm. when I when I've transitioned between all of the types of like we've talked about before the working mom part time mom the entrepreneurial mom you know, all of these things yeah there's always a sense of guilt um, mm. and I think that's a really common thing I don't know that we can necessarily get rid of that I think it's part of just I do think it's a it's a subliminal part of motherhood we're just going to feel because we just want what's best and so you know it's never good enough and and that can be. Obviously, at an extreme, that can be an issue. But I think it, you know, there's this sense that I want to be. I don't know how to explain this. What is successful? What does success look like for me as a stay-at-home mom? What does it look like mm-hmm. for me when I'm working? What does it look like for me as an entrepreneurial mom? And then there's success in motherhood and in my marriage. And can I balance all of the stuff that my life has? And so, I don't know. I feel like I've been on a journey these past four to five years to figure out like. What does it mean for me to, I don't know if to be successful in all of these areas is the right word, but what does it mean to me to be at my best in all of these areas? Does that make sense in different seasons? Yeah. I mean, I think what I'm hearing you say is like, how do I know if I'm doing it right? You know, because all the ways I'm trying it are sort of conjuring up this sense of guilt or um, sometimes I hear it described as like, I feel like no matter where I am, maybe I should be somewhere else. You know, this being pulled in a thousand different directions dynamic. Does that, is that kind of the territory you want me to steer through? 
I, I would love that because I and and you are to me a veteran mom because my oldest is eight. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, we have a two, four, six, eight, and we have one on the way. And so I often feel like I'm standing here doing the dishes, but my kids want me to play. So then yeah. I'm like, oh, but then I'm playing with my kids and my dishes are full. Or, you know what I mean? My husband yeah. and I need a date night, or we're just trying to have a conversation and they're interrupting us. And it's like, and then I have, you know, work to do. And I'm like, I feel like it's hard to be present in standard, you know, feet on two. Wow. On solid, your feet on solid ground Mm -hmm. when you have all of these things. So yeah. Can you speak into that? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, you know, no matter where you're listening today, just kind of take a breath and, and I would say, ask yourself like in this day that's stretching out in front of me or tomorrow, if you're listening to this late in the day, what are the moments that I know really matter? Like, what are the kind of dots that I want to place in that day and I want to make sure that I tend to, right? And, and you you named a couple. Like, I want playtime with my children. I want the kitchen to be tidy. I want some quality time with my husband. You know, maybe you want to work out. Like, when you feel a sense of peace, if you're able to get to that sense of peace, it's usually because you decided in advance these are a few things that matter to me. And then you acknowledge them as they're happening. So you steer toward them. And you don't worry about, like, in this exact moment, I meant to be, you know, having quality time with my husband. And it turns out this is when I'm having playtime. It's like, these are these things I'm going to steer toward. And I'm going to sort of be mindful. I'm going to pay attention to, am I giving all of those things that make me feel whole and make my family run well? Am I giving them their due? And and I'm focusing on this piece of having an intention about that, Stephanie, because I think that's what a lot of us skip over. You know, we're sort of flying by the seat of our pants through the day, reacting, and we feel like we have to. We feel like we tell ourselves, but that's what moms do. You know, we just have to react to whatever gets thrown at us. But I kind of – I disagree. I think there's an element of intention um, where you're steering through that day – you know, back to the ballerina, really toward you're going to hit your mark on that stage at certain times. Um, and then when that happens, we need to be unapologetic about it. So, like, look, tidying up the kitchen was important to me. So, while I'm doing these dishes, and yes, my kids are going to want playtime 24 7, but this is the time I've allocated to that. And they're going to be okay because I have playtime allocated for them as well. Right? Does that make sense? Absolutely. And, and I listen, think, it's no ahead. different than a boss. If if you're at work and you had a plan to complete a project or to take a certain meeting and somebody on your team or your boss walks in and they're like, hey, drop what you're doing, crisis alert, take all these things, that is exactly the same mental dynamic as your child coming in saying, can we play you know, Barbies? It's the same thing. And we have to learn to say, not yet, or can it wait, or in 15 minutes, I'm going to finish this task, and then it's your turn. And and really, they're so analogous of being able to set some personal boundaries um, and realize that it's not our job to be 100% of the time in any one of those camps. Sure. And I think that it's hard. I think the biggest um, transition was – so I was a teacher – uh-huh. And you know your day is dictated. It's like you're here, and then your meeting is here, and then you got science at eleven, and then it's right. lunchtime. And you know what I mean. And you just kind of like 
can go into this, um, I don't even know what, like you just float Zone. through your day. Yeah. yeah. And it's just the same thing that happens over and over again. When you're home, all of a sudden it's like, well, I could just sit on the couch all day if I wanted to, you know, and I can, you know, there's nobody mm-hmm. like really giving me those firm like deadlines or the schedule. And I remember people were like, listen, the most important thing you can do as you transition to be at home is to get some kind of schedule that is like normalized. Totally. Totally. Or else you just float and you're like, what is happening? <laughs> I'll tell you what, I have I have two kind of one is like a memory of this that I had this realization. I'll share it with you. And then and then the other piece of it is I totally agree that establishing some level of this kind of dot-to-dot structure can be super helpful. But my insight when I I remember, so my oldest is 16 and I took a year off um, from work when she was born. It was the first time in my life I think I'd ever like not had that structure and that rhythm around me. And I had this very deep awareness that my life was no longer running on chronological time. So if someone said to me like, hey, can you can, can we go for a walk at 11? You want to bring the stroller? I'd be like, I have no idea. I have no idea if I can do that at 11. But I can tell you that I can do it between this feeding and that nap, right? Like I just don't know exactly when that's going to happen. Right. So this shift from chronological time to biological time like is what happens when you're living with the rhythm of children. It's all about sleeping, feeding, potty, you know, your your whole kind of schedule is governed by their biology. So I found it helpful again with this kind of dot to dot structure idea to think about it in terms of biological time. And I was really averse to setting time-stamped appointments, but I kind of knew the flow of how the day was likely to unfold. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, the thing, and this is just part of my personality, um, is that I am like a busy bee. Like I am constantly going, constantly doing something. And partly it's because, you know, I, I feel like I'm a pretty high capacity person. You know, we have four little babies. I'm working my stuff. My husband's working. We have rental properties. You know, we were foster parents for the past two years. Like we have a lot going on. So I don't have a choice. Like it is literally a hundred miles an hour since, you know, my feet hit the floor. And I like that, but there's there's also I've realized as I've started to delegate because I'm like, I can't freaking do all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I've started to realize the importance of delegating, but I've realized as I've been doing that is that I really have put a lot of my identity in being the girl who quote unquote does it all. Like because yeah. you know, so many people are like, How do you do like all of that? And I'm like, and to me, I'm like, I don't know. I just do it because I have to. But now that I'm starting to get delegate, it's almost like offensive that I have to do that. And like the fact that I'll have a second to sit down. Now, this is an issue. This is not anything to be like proud of. But I'm just saying like, you know, this busyness badge, like we wear it like a freaking badge of honor when we mm. get to go when we go 90 miles an hour all the time. And um, I know that you speak into that a little bit. So can you just talk about like how that's really not I mean, you know, like you can be busy all day long and not really hit any of your things that you're trying to be intentional about. Yeah. I mean, you can just hear it in your voice, right? It's like, it's it's this kind of motor that drives us. And, and I think the question we have to ask ourselves is, what reward are we getting from that? Because we wouldn't be doing it if we didn't feel like there was some sort of reward, you know, some sort of intrinsic like benefit to constantly being busy and running at that pace. Sometimes, candidly, and this is, you know, sometimes a little hard to hear, sometimes I think it's because it makes us feel important. Like there's this 
competitive nature of she who has the most to do is the most important. And so we don't want anyone to think we are just, my mom used to say, you know, I'm not sitting around eating, what did she say? Eating bonbons and reading movie magazines. It used to like crack me up because it sounded like such a 1950s yeah. saying, you know. <laughs> um, but but whatever our equivalent is, like I'm not just sitting around all day watching Netflix and like scrolling through Instagram. Like you, we're trying to make sure that people know that our day has meaning. It has purpose. It is we are important. We are doing important work. And then I think sometimes we're trying to convince ourselves of that. Um that's one vector. The other pattern that I see a lot and hear a lot with our coaching clients at Brilliant Balance is like there's this sense of fear of if I do sit down or I do slow down or I don't run at this pace that I'm either going to miss out on something like the whole FOMO culture right. or um, I'm not doing it right. You know, doing it right, in, like we've decided that that's what it looks like to do it well. And so we're just kind of following the model that we think everyone else is um, perpetuating. So you and I talked a little bit about the hot mess mom idea. Mm -hmm. Like that that caricature of the hot mess mom who's just running crazy from morning till night and she doesn't have time to shower or do her hair or get dressed or work out. Like we've really bought into that as the almost the ideal. And it's it's a backlash against like the perfect mom right who's orderly and calm and present but but i think if we're honest like somewhere in between those two caricatures is really where we all want to live right and i think that um you know there's so yes first of all yes with the whole hot mess mom culture it drives me nuts um well and i think that the pendulum has kind of swung so it used to be this like perfect home and gardens magazine look yeah and then people like you said kind of went the opposite direction and now it's this like everything's a freaking mess including you know myself and my house and my children and all of the things um and it's almost like a funny narrative um mm -hmm. But now I I think that it's almost with Instagram and that kind of – with social media, I feel like it's almost switched, which is almost more dangerous, to, oh my gosh, look at – it has like a picture of somebody's kitchen, you know? And it's like, oh my gosh, don't mind my messy kitchen. And it's got like a sippy cup on the counter and like two dishes in the sink and a kid's toy on the floor. And then you're like, <laughs> that doesn't oh count, my God, right? <laughs> <laughs> if that's your messy kitchen, then it's like, okay, I'm going to just go ahead and turn that off, you know? And so – and so anyways, yes, I think that there we all want to be in that like middle ground. And I also think, you know, talking about just being busy all the time, here's what I've learned. I've learned that my busyness will steal the ability for my family to rest. Mm. Because when you're sitting down trying to like rest or just take a break, but your spouse or, you know, when you're a kid, your mom is up cleaning like a crazy person or like going down 90 miles an hour, it's like you are like, oh gosh, is she going to like <laughs> ask me to clean? Is she like wanting me to clean yeah. is she hinting and it's like when the other when someone else is doing that it's like robs your ability to actually sit down and rest so i realized that i was kind of stealing that from my family when i'm not able to do that myself especially because i feel like moms really set the pace and the tone for their home absolutely and I think this is, you know, with kids who are a little bit older, you start to reflect on like what what would I have done differently? What do I what do I not know that I modeled well? And I think that rest is one of the things that I I wish I had modeled better. You know, I wish my and I have 
I still have time to course correct this, right? So I'm like on this path. But I, I think my oldest has sort of picked up that same pattern that I have of like high productivity, go, 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 right? And and there is this very important modeling of Sabbath and rest and like, you know, downtime. Um, I am very good at modeling sleep. I feel good about that. Like I'm I'm early to bed, early to rise kind of person. Mm-hmm. But being able to just have leisure time where there's no multitasking, right? And we're fully in the moment, like that is an important life skill to teach so that our children feel comfortable having rhythm. You know, yeah. it, you're as all of these moms of young children, you know, if you're thinking about the activities your kids are in, I think we have a cultural addiction to like overscheduling. Right. And there's this kind of belief of, well, if they can fit it in, then we should. And then we stand around at these, you know, sporting events and music performances talking about, oh, I got to run this one there. And then this one has to get there. And then we only have five minutes between these two and they're eating in the car. And like we've almost passed on that addiction to busyness to the children. And, and my kids have sometimes felt a little like an oddball if they're not that scheduled. Right. And they do have an evening at home without an activity. They'll some, you know, they've said over the years, what do I do? I'm in enough stuff. (laughs) Everyone else is in more stuff. So that's that, you know, we really want to pay attention to what are we modeling and what's the value and the, you know, that we want to impart to them um, while they're under our roof. Yeah. Well, and and it's hard too in this culture because it's like, you know, if you don't get your kids in, especially if you live in big school districts um, or whatever, you know, like if you don't get your kids in at kindergarten and first grade, then it's like if you try to get them in at third and fourth grade, I mean, these kids have been in select since kindergarten. And so now, I mean, you could technically, and this is sad to say, but it is true. And I've, I've have friends that have experienced this, you know, you wait until third or fourth grade to get your kids in just like, you know, higher whatever, like select type sports. And it's like, sorry, this team has been made, you know? And so it's this, this, it's really hard to restrain, um, especially if your kid really likes to do something. It's like, listen, unfortunately it's not, you know, now and once you get into middle school, that's when you start to make a decision. It's like, we kind of have to make this decision now, or, you know, you're just going to need to be good to be like on, you know, say soccer or whatever, which is fine. But I'm just saying there that's there's still a pressure there now that I don't think was there maybe 20 years ago to like get your kids in so young with such oh, intense stuff. A thousand percent. So a and thousand percent. And I um actually heard at some point, speaking of like not being able to rest, that feeling shame in resting is like a trauma response to something. And I don't know what that is necessarily for, mm-hmm. you know, obviously individual people, but I was actually just talking to my mom's the same way, which is funny because I'm the oldest. So <laughs> you and your oldest mm-hmm. and my mom and me. Um, but like I can't sit or I feel like some like it is like a deep something is not wrong, but just I can tell that it's not not okay for me to sit down. Though it is, but you know what I mean. Anyway, yeah, so it's hard to. Mm-hmm. It is. It's like I'm like I can't sit. My sister, um, God love her. She she can rest. That girl can just chill and hang. And every time she comes over, I'm like cleaning my kitchen, and she's just sitting there. She's like, "Can you just like, can you just sit?" Yeah. <laughs> I really can't, you know. But she's a she's a boss, and she's amazing at that, you know. But she still gets stuff done. She still does all her stuff and can rest. And so I need to take some lessons for her. You know, um, Stephanie, the the. It's you're right that there's modeling of this, you know, kind of parent to child modeling of this, and 
And we do like whatever we got rewarded for, right? If we were rewarded for being super industrious or a hard worker or productive. My mom grew up on a farm and that was the culture. I mean, for sure in their family was get up early and you have work to do. I mean, she tells this classic story about milking cows on her wedding day. Um, and the photographer showing up to do pre-wedding photography and she's like coming in from far. Like it's that's real. You know, she got married in 1965. And um, and that, you know, she was a college graduate, but she was back home, and that was the expectation. So there was no you think about it, if you can't get out of milk and cows on your wedding day, like you're probably a hard worker. You know, this is right. probably pretty deep in your DNA. Oh, and that got passed on. I mean, I never had a Saturday morning that she wasn't up way before me cleaning. And then when I got up, it was the expectation that I was going to join that party. You know, So I do think those things are imprinted early. And here's one suggestion, something I'm trying to do to get a little bit of ease from it and help my mom get some ease from it, candidly, is a conversation. So the one way that I seem to be able to like just sit is if I'm in an engaged conversation. Mm. You know, like that feels meaningful to me. It feels deeply important. Um, so that's, you know, if I'm getting my friend time or it's with my husband or one of my children or my mom, I can just sit. I don't have to be like multitasking during that conversation. Um, and that may be a starting place, you know, that there is purpose in the the full presence in that um, conversation. Yeah, I love that because it is so true. I feel like sitting down or even like going, you know, even having, I mean, it's a little bit different, but even going out, you know, having a date night and just yeah. sitting and talking and I don't feel like I should be home doing something. I don't That's feel like right. I should be, you know, like I, I genuinely feel like that. That is true. That is where I feel like I have two feet on solid ground yes. in the present. So I love that. There's your clue. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, and so you talked about, I was listening to some of your episodes um, this past week and you talked about a lot with um, this whole work-life balance kind of thing. And I loved in, I think it was, gosh, what was it titled? Like the danger of being busy episode that you did. Mm -hmm. um, and you talked about how important it is I think for your team, you were like getting ready to go into a really busy season and you were like, you used the words and the phrase, which I loved, that we were preparing to sprint. Yes. And I like, I don't know what, it, whatever it was about that. I was like, oh, I love this because it's number one, obviously you have intention. You aren't just being thrown into this season of like craziness. You know, it's coming, which that's spring season for us. I mean, not with work, but just, we got four boys in sports. Good Lord. Um, and we're moving. So we're about to be crazy. Mm -hmm. But it's like, there's a sense of like, I can, my head is up, I can see what's coming. And we are going to prepare for this. So whether that is, I talk a lot about finances and budgeting, we're upping our like out to eat, because we're I know that I'm gonna need some help from, you know, Wendy's every once in a while when we're going sure. out. But like, also, I just I don't know, I just know that like, this is coming. So let's prepare to sprint for this season. And then, you know, we have a baby coming this summer, so we're going to prepare to slow it down. And so it's this it's this um, cyclical thing and, you know, and it's it's all in scripture. There's this work rest cycle That's right. that, you know, is is given to us. And so it is good when we can prepare for it. It is freaking like stressful when we get, just get thrown into it and we're not looking past today. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. And there is a real difference and you just – 
alluded to it in your last comment. So sometimes a busy season kind of catches us by surprise. I call that a storm. And that's when you don't see it coming. You know, you get the call from the doctor or you you know the there's a crisis with the house or your somebody loses their job. Like those kinds of unexpected, unwelcome, unpredicted almost crises, right? They can be full out crises. Sure. I would um call that a storm and they can kick off a busy season and you have no opportunity to prepare. Okay? Contrast that with what I call whitewater. And whitewater is like, you know, have you ever been rafting, like um, whitewater rafting on a river? Yeah. When you go whitewater rafting, there's kind of like a boring part, right? Where yeah. you're in this raft and you're like, thought it does. It's not all dumb. like the pictures. <laughs> right. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I see this coming and this is what we came for. Like up there and then it, there's this anticipation and the energy is building and then boom, you're in the whitewater. And it's terrifying and delightful all at the same time. Okay. What you're describing, baby coming, moving, that's whitewater. Like you're doing that on purpose. And and me hosting live events, what I talked about in that episode, like we were doing that stuff on purpose. So you can prepare for that. You're that's a sprint. You're getting excited. You're you have this kind of visibility to it. And we want to be very clear that those are not the same things because if you listen to how people talk, we're often complaining about whitewater. But we picked it. Like we did it on purpose. So if we can shift the energy to this is exciting, right? It's a lot, but it's exciting. That's so different than steering through crisis, right? Managing the fear that comes with the unexpected. Um, And there's different tools there. There's an entirely different set of tools to deal with that type of season. But First is really being able to clearly define what you're in. Um, and you're absolutely right. You know, some anticipatory preparation. Like, I see this coming. We're going to have to sprint. So what's the conditioning look like to be ready for that? You know, what what shortcuts are we going to use? What help are we going to bring in so that we have the energy we need to get through that sprint? Yep. And I think, too, just like pruning things. Like, what can, what what do we have to stop doing? What do we – Yes. You know, what do we, like you said, what, what do we have to delegate? What do we have to do? Whatever. And I think that I love that you just distinguish those two. I mean, I feel like I, I have definitely been a part of both of those, both, <laughs> the storm sure. and the whitewater. Yep. Um, but I love that you, that you differentiated those two because I think I would have just seen them as the same thing. And to be honest, I think that I would see my entire life as either in one of those two things because yes. I'm always like adding, adding, adding because I am like the queen of being impulsive and saying yes. And then not taking into account the energy that it takes to complete X, Y, and Z. But I think it's really important that if we are in that white water, like you said, that we're preparing for it. And that, you know, the only way that we can do that, again, I talk a lot about finances with this and just looking up and planning for 90 days or whatever, you know, there's, you have to be out of that reaction mode. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because if you're mm-hmm. constantly in survival mode, even if you know a season is coming, you don't have the capacity or the margin to prepare for it like you should. And then your whitewater almost ends up being a storm mm-hmm. because you're just not ready for it. You know what That's I mean? Right. That's right. So yeah, I just feel like there's difference. And then I think that when you're getting right re- when you are in a storm and you look up and you realize that, then it's like, okay, what is enough for me right now? Like what, you know, dishes aren't being done, whatever. Like I feel like it's not necessarily I mean, we need to lower our standards, you know? Yeah. Storms are clarifying. Right. There's a a sense of 
kind of stripping away to the essentials. Um, and it, it it becomes much more clear what is essential when we're in when we're in a storm. My kind of classic example for this is people will often say like, I can't take a day off. I just can't do it, right? Like, like the whole world would fall apart if I took that day off. I have this meeting and that meeting. And, um, you know, again, I'm often working with um, working professionals and, and they're just so sure that they can't take any time off. And then you ask this question that kind of stops them in their tracks, which is, you know, what would you do if somebody close to you died today? You you'd take the day off, yeah, like, you would for sure, right? Mm-hmm. And the world would go on. So why does it have to come to that? Why do we need to use an example like that to prove the point that boy, there are a thousand degrees of things that would be worthy of taking a day off, including like it's a beautiful day and I want to go do something that makes me feel joyful. Mm-hmm. So that storms are clarifying in that we are not unclear about where we belong when we're in them. Whitewater gets a little dicier because, you know, I think we have a sense that we did it on purpose. And so we feel like we have to keep up with every other thing um, while we're moving or while we're having a baby. And yet, mm, I don't know, you know, we could maybe learn a thing or two from how we manage storms. Absolutely. And I think storms is also would be very humbling because it's like, I feel like we we raise ourselves, we put ourselves on this pedestal, like you were saying, especially when you're working a career job or whatever, climbing the ladder, you know, you're what you think your worth is actually more than, but the truth is if you got fired today, they would replace you tomorrow, you know? And it's like those storms really bring us back down to like, what are my irreplaceable roles yes. as a wife, as a mother, as a friend, sister, daughter, you know, whatever that might be. So yeah. I absolutely love that. So um, as we wrap up, is there anything, um, I don't know, any advice, any kind of, if you could say one thing to the working mom, be it wherever she is in that working you know, pendulum with little kids that are just feeling like, oh my goodness, <laughs> I feel like I am in survival mode all the time. Obviously, we talked about a lot this episode, but is there any just last minute encouragement that you would give her? Yeah. I think the the parting words I would leave are be where you are. Be where you are. This is almost a mantra for me, something that I repeat. It was given to me by um, a more senior leader when I was in my corporate job and she was mentoring me. And the concept is really simple. It, it goes back to that um, feeling you were describing where you know, you're doing dishes thinking I should be playing and you're playing thinking I should be with my husband and on and on. That ability to drop in and be fully in whatever moment you've already chosen and then move to the next one and be fully there, it will change your life. It will change your life. So when you want to kind of slow down that mental chatter and find that peace um, as you move through your day, that deep sense of presence, you know, be where you are would be a good collection of words to repeat to yourself. I absolutely love that because if you aren't, like you said, you could be playing with your kid and your mind is elsewhere and then you get done playing with your kid and you're like, shoot, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you feel guilty for playing with your kid because you weren't fully there or present or whatever else. And and our kids can sense that, but you know, they're also very gracious to us. Um, Anyways. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Can you just uh, let my listeners know where could they find you to connect with you to just follow even more of your advice? 
Sure. The the very well, since you're listening to a podcast, you can go search for the Brilliant Balance podcast. That's an easy place to kind of get plugged in and, and hear more of what we're all about. Um, and then the website is brilliant-balance.com. You have to get that dash in there. Um, and that is kind of the portal to everything we do. So there's lots of free resources. You can connect to the podcast there and um, learn more about coaching programs as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Cheryl Ann, for coming on. Thanks for having me. Okay, you guys, wasn't that just an amazing, amazing conversation? I loved the whitewater and storm conversation. I always love when I have felt a certain way about something or especially something that's ongoing within my motherhood or just life in general, and then someone names it. Because I feel like once you can name something, then I don't know, there's like a way to handle it, just like she talked about. There's a way to prepare for it. There's a way to react to it. There's a way to be proactive about it. And it really just helps me kind of articulate what I'm feeling or going through. And so you guys, I hope this episode helped you just take one step to having a better work-life balance for whatever season you're in, be it whitewater, be it a storm, be it, you know, you have three under three right now, or you have older kids. I hope that this just helped you gain some clarity on where you're at and how to handle that situation. And I also hope you guys are enjoying this warmer weather this spring in Cincinnati. You guys, it's like 70 and sunny. It is absolutely beautiful. So everybody stay healthy, enjoy this warm weather. And I look forward to walking with you to help you find your grit while completely covering you in grace. Mm -hmm.